Welcome to the Turkey Hunter Podcast with me, your host, Andy Galliano. In this podcast, I share with turkey hunters just like you how to have more turkeys on your hunting property and how to have more successful turkey hunts. I teach you how to do this with tips and interviews with turkey hunting pros, wildlife management tips, and entertaining turkey hunting stories. Tune in weekly as I share proven and simple strategies to help you have more success this turkey season. Make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe to receive free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews. Also, please visit and like my Facebook fan page. Go to Facebook and search I Am Turkey Hunting. And also feel free to post your turkey hunting photos from this past season and let us know where and when you killed your bird. For all of you Twitter users out there, please follow me on Twitter where my handle is at turkeyhitman, and I will be sure to follow you back. And now, for this week's show. Hello, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast. You are listening to episode number 147, one of my favorite episodes. And I am your host and the guy who caught his first large mouth bass of 2017 this past weekend. Yep, this is the first weekend I actually got on the water and I caught the first bass of the year. Put him in the live well because I was planning on catching four or five or six to clean for dinner. It started thundering and lightning and being in an aluminum boat on the water is never a good place to be when that starts to happen. So In my haste to get out of the boat and out of the water, I pulled into my boathouse, parked the boat, and promptly left the bass in the live well. Loaded all my stuff in the truck, and on my way home, realized what I'd done. So I called one of my neighbors and asked him to get the bass out of the live well for me. Hopefully he did that, and hopefully when I get back there, Next weekend, because it will not be this weekend, the live well won't be polluted with a boiled, rotten, stinking, dead bass. So, I don't know how to transition from that. We're just going to go right in and say today we are 210 days, 8 hours, 33 minutes, and 46 seconds away from opening day of spring turkey season in Alabama. And I am so thankful and so fortunate to host this show for you guys and that you actually listen to this show each and every week. I love to talk about my passion and share it with others. And I always learn something by talking and interviewing guests on this show. And every once in a while, I'm really just blown away by a guest where I get way more than I asked for during an interview. And today I am replaying one of those interviews for you guys again. You see, I'm taking a week off from the show because I'm actually working on something pretty big for you guys that I feel like will help all of us be better turkey hunters. So there's a little bit of a teaser for you as I'm going to change the subject on you and tell you that I'm going to replay that amazing interview for you guys in a couple of minutes. But before I do, I have to bring you something new and valuable, a little something something. So the NWTF 
just released their fall hunting guide. And you can access that fall hunting guide by going to www.nwtf.org slash hunt slash article slash 2017 dash fall dash hunt dash guide. And this fall hunt guide that the NWTF has produced actually shows us all of the states that have a fall season as well as it can in a short little blurb tells us when those seasons are, what the bag limits are for those seasons, and where we can get more information on hunting in those states during the fall. Actually, the Turkey Hunter podcast intern Cameron and I have been looking at the guide, trying to determine where we're going to try our hand at fall turkey hunting this season. States mentioned so far are West Virginia, Wisconsin, and Michigan. But no definite plan has been made yet, and we'll be getting serious about that trip very soon. That's something that we just kind of threw out at one another, or really Cameron kind of threw that out at me about three weeks ago. But I just really haven't had any time to research what state I want to go to. Cameron is actually open to going pretty much anywhere because the only two states that he's killed turkeys in are Alabama and Tennessee. So he's trying to mark a few states off of his list and he's got a lot more of them available than I do. So I've got to get serious, pick out a state or two, and then he and I will research to see where we're going to go from there. So go check out the fall hunt guide on the NWTS site and start planning your fall out of state hunt now. And if that URL was too long for you, I am sure that Google can find it for you quite easily. I would imagine if you search 2017 Fall Hunt Guide NWTF, Google will probably pull up the page for that site pretty quickly and easily for you. Okay. So here's the replay of one of my favorite episodes, which is an interview with Tim Knight about bow hunting turkeys without a blind. Listen in closely as I'm pretty certain that you'll learn something from this interview that you may not have picked up on the first time you listened, or you may have forgotten since you listened to it the first time. Listen in close and I'll see you guys on the other side. Hey everybody, I'm glad to tell you that I have on the line with me tonight, Tim Knight. And Tim is, well, I've been told that Tim is the man when it comes to bow hunting turkeys and bow hunting turkeys without a blind. And this is actually a show topic that one of you guys recommended for the show. And I thought it was a great topic because I have a little bit of experience in watching somebody do this. I haven't done it, but I actually hunted with Corey New with the turkeyologist and Corey, well, he got a shot at a turkey without a blind and I'm just going to leave that story at that for right now. But like I said, I've got a little bit of experience with watching somebody hunt that way. I thought it was very fascinating to watch and when I got that recommendation from one of the listeners, I said, you know, this is something that, that I've got to see if we can learn a little bit more about, and I think it's going to be fascinating. So I've got Tim on the line with us, 
And Tim, before I ask you the first question, I actually just got a text message from Corey and he said he's good to go now. So let's see if we can get Corey on the phone with us and we'll just add another person and make it the more the merrier. Yeah, we're going to have a threesome. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Be my first one for the day. Hey. (laughs) All right. (laughs) All right. Hopefully I won't lose you. Let Let me get him brought in here. If I do, I'll have to call you back and... Okay. We'll see if we can get this thing going here. Hello. Corey New. Hello. Corey. Hey, Corey. Hello. Hello, Corey. I can hear y'all. Oh, we have everybody? I can hear you and Corey. I don't guess he can hear us. Well, I don't know if he hung up on me or I hung up on him, but it sounds like he might be. Oh, are you there now? If you can hear me, I can't hear you. (laughs) Oh, that ain't no good. Tim, are you still there? I'm here. I can hear both of y'all. How about it now, Corey? Corey's gone. All right. We're going to try him one more time, and if it doesn't work, we're going to boogie with it. All right. Okay. Let's see. All right. Corey. Hello. Corey. Yeah, I can hear you now. All right. Tim. Oh, no. I'm just messing uh, with you. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> 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 Don't do that to me. Do you, that. Know you know I've had issues tonight. <laughs> uh, he went uh, for a, from a threesome to a twosome real quick. I did. <laughs> threesome to a twosome to a, uh, me go, going to solo. And now, now it looks like we're back. So, good deal. Corey, what's going on? Not too much. I was getting the... Young and in bed, and I'm doing a little last-minute packing before I head to Arkansas tomorrow. All right. For a little last-ditch duck hunting trip. Are you going to shoot some ducks with a bow? I doubt it. I'm not quite that good yet. Tim might be able to do that. but it give a new meaning to the term over you're out there in the duck blind, I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> like we used to do in the yard when we were kids, shoot it straight up in the air and run oh, like fire yeah. ants. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I thought me and my brothers were the only ones dumb enough to do that, but it doesn't sound like it. <laughs> no. Nah. Yeah. Right. I get the southern thing. Yeah. That's fantastic. Well, Corey, I've got questions lined up for Tim, and anytime you want to join in and, and throw your two cents in, please do. Or, or if you have a question for Tim that you want to ask that you think people want to hear, jump in and okay. and go. I mean, we're, we're going to wing it right. to some extent. Sounds good. All right, so I've already done my intro, and then you interrupted me with your text message saying that you were ready to go. (laughs) So my first question is, Tim, how are you and where are you? I am actually sitting in my truck in my yard talking to you on the cell phone here in Dublin, Georgia. Well, then that either tells me that you got kicked out of the house or you get better cell service outside. I do because I've got a brand new metal roof on my house that I've had a little over a year now, and it my cell phone does not pick up well in the house anymore because of the metal roof. So yeah, yeah. I didn't so, want to like just right at the McDonald's. So that's right. <laughs> I think we're yeah. all familiar with that. That's about every oh, yeah. other cell phone conversation I have, I believe. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into turkey hunting. Oh, Lord. I started turkey hunting back in the early 80s. Of course, I was like everybody else. I was a pretty young fellow back then. 
I just decided around the mid-80s that I wanted to, when I became a full-time bow hunter, that I wanted to try to kill a turkey gobbler with a bow. Mm-hmm. And I had an I had a wise old turkey hunter back then that really just said something to me that just lit a fire under me because I I'm the type of person that if you tell me I can't do something within legal means now I'll break my neck to prove you wrong and I has this this wise old turkey hunter that had quite a few gun kills under his belt told me I was wasting my time trying to kill a wild turkey gobbler with a boat couldn't be done. Mm-hmm. So that's really what lit the fire under me. And I'll be perfectly honest with you. To start with, I struggled for several years. But once I learned how to kill them, it gets a whole lot easier, every one you kill. And I know that's hard to say. But as of last year, I've been fortunate enough in the southeast, I've killed 84 eastern gobblers with a bow and no blind in my hunting career. Wow. That's amazing. There are a lot of people that haven't killed 84 turkeys in their lifetime. And won't, and won't, because they hunt in a state that allows them to kill one turkey a year, and they're not going to go out of state to kill anymore. Okay. And, you know, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that by by any means, but 84 turkeys with a bow is strong. Corey, how many do you think you've killed with a bow? With a bow, um, seven. I can tell you exactly how many I've killed, seven with a bow. But I will tell you this. Since I started, you know, since I became friends with Tim and he's kind of mentored me a little bit, I killed four of them last year. And how many did you miss last year? Oh, we won't get into that. No, I missed, I actually missed two last year with my bow. One was hunter error, one was barbed wire fence error. Yeah. Well, that's very impressive, Tim. I mean, just to kill 84 turkeys, period, is impressive. So you said it gets a little bit easier every time. Why is that, do you think? And what, what is it about well, it that gets easier? It's a learning curve. It's the more opportunities you have, the more your confidence, you know, especially when you kill that person, you prove to yourself, well, it, it's not impossible. It can be done. And it's just like anything else you do. It's once, once you learn, it's like catching the first ball. You know, you say, hey, I can catch that thing. And you just, it's just repetitious and being able to be out in the woods and, just not making the same mistakes. That's, you know, you learn from your mistakes and that's no more right. true than in, in bow hunting turkeys in anything. You know, I got a, I got a book that's about a quarter of an inch thick with, man, that worked really good. Let's do that again. And it's about five feet thick on the other side. That didn't work. Don't ever do that again. <laughs> uh, yeah. You need a couple of people to help you carry that one, don't you? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, think. I can make a I, I can repeat a quote from one of the greatest sportsmen to ever come out of Alabama, and that was Mr. Ben Rogers Lee, who I had the opportunity to meet many, many years ago in the, in the late 80s. And he had a young whippersnapper with him who's a good friend of mine, as uh, Mr. Terry Rahm. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, Ben had a saying that any old Indian can kill a deer with a bow, but it takes a chief to kill a turkey. Yeah. And that is a fact right there. We've kind of got a little joke thing going around. You know, if you're a gun hunter and you've never tried bow hunting turkeys, I'll call you a squaw. You know, you don't you don't get my respect of chief status until you kill a turkey with a bow without a blind. But now I I render that the highest of respect if you do that because you've accomplished the hardest feat there is to do in the hunting world, in my opinion. Right. Yeah, that's beating the eyesight. If of it was turkey. easy, if it was easy, everybody would do it. No question. You know? I mean, they've got guns now that, 
you know, and I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to, I hope I don't offend anybody or chap anybody with this, but, you know, in my opinion, if you got a shotgun that kills a turkey at 60 yards, you really didn't call him up. You just got him close enough to kill, you know, with a 60-yard weapon. <laughs> mm-hmm. You get one up there spitting and drumming at 12 yards, and he's on, like me, I'm left-handed, so if he comes up on my left side, I mean, I've had him, I've actually had him step across my legs before. I've had them that close to me. I could see the daylight through their beak hole. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah. But well, we'll we'll talk about that in a little bit. You know how you need to camouflage yourself up to bow hunt turkeys. Right. Yeah. And obviously that's an important part of it. Yeah. So I want you to know that you're talking to a squaw, and but we well, we is, make you cheap. That that'll be our project for this year. There is nothing <laughs> you can do, and there's nothing you can say that will offend me. So, all the gloves are... Well, Tim, I went I went, I went, went hunting with Andy in Alabama last year, Tim, and when I told him that me and Jim were bringing bows, he kind of, you know, you could tell he was questioning our sanity at that point. <laughs> Corey, I, yeah. I still question your sanity. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, what you were saying, Tim, about having a turkey seven yards from you spitting and drumming, that's exactly what we had when Corey came and hunted with me, Corey and Jim. And I've still got that picture on my phone that I took of the viewfinder when Jim played that video back of that gobbler right there. How far do you think he was, Corey? Yeah, I mean, he was he was 7 to 10 yards, definitely. And to have him that close and see him just, and he was locked up in full strut and he was not coming out of strut and he was not turning he was not walking he was trying to separate that jake gobbler yeah he was standing jake between that yeah. exactly he was standing right between that jake and him and he was it's actually an exception i've seen very few do that just lock up and motionless for what what did we say at least five to six minutes had to be an hour and a half <laughs> so in translation yeah 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 and it, it it is exciting. I mean, there no other way to put it. it. It's exciting, and it's something that everybody needs to experience. And people ask me from time to time, do I bow hunt turkeys? And right after no, I tell them that I'm just barely good enough to kill one with a shotgun. I'm not even going to think about shooting one with a bow. So there you go. I'm standing by that. I'm standing proud. My chest is stuck out. You can call me a squaw all you want to. We're going to move on to the next question. <laughs> like I said, you're not going to offend me. So the gloves are off. You say what you want to say and we're going to run with it. All right. So what you may or may not know about these interviews that I do with people is that I like to do what I call the rapid fire Q&A. And Corey has been through the rapid fire Q&A and I've got his time here in front of me. The rapid-fire Q&A is 30 questions. More about your preferences about turkeys and turkey hunting than it is anything else. And it's just a way for people to get to know you, kind of a little snapshot of you, very quickly. And it is a, you know, they're questions that people would ask you if they were having a glass of wild turkey at the camp sitting around the fire with you in the evening more so than any other kind of question. So if you want to play along and see if you can beat Corey News time, then I'll put a stopwatch on this thing and we'll see if we can, if you can beat him. How does that sound? 
Am I still the reigning champion? Were you ever the reigning champion? I th- you told me I was. You probably tell all the girls that, though. I do. It, it makes them feel really good. <laughs> if you were the reigning champion at one point in time, you are no longer. So, Tim, do you want to know the fastest time that it's been done, just so you kind of know what to do? Well, I'm not so much interested in being the fastest as I am being the most thorough in educating the people out there if they want to kill one with a boat. All right. Well, I'm going to tell you that there may or may not be any questions in here that'll help somebody, but probably at least let somebody know what you like and what you don't like. All right. Sure. So, all right. I'm going to start the stopwatch as soon as I start the first question. How many full-body turkey mounts do you own? Uh, three. How many turkeys did you kill last year? Three. Diaphragm, box, pot and peg, or wing bone? Diaphragm. Wild turkey. 100%. Grilled, baked, or fried? Liquid. Wild turkey. On the rocks, neat, with cola or with water? Cola. Number of grand slams? None. The make of your shotgun? Don't use one. That's right. Make of your... If I did, it'd be 870. All right. Uh, then, hang on, I'm going to pause this, because the make of your bow? PSE, carbon air. Okay. Then uh, that takes care of the... What's the make of your favorite arrow? Uh, gold tip. All right. AKA uh, Radial X Weave X1 Blackout by Redhead at Bass Pro Shops. Okay. Have you ever killed a bearded hen? No, not legal ever, in Georgia. Have you ever killed a Jake? Yes. 10 minute successful hunt on a two year old bird or a four hour long hunt on a four year old with a clean miss? 10 minute dead two year old. I like them when they gobble. Favorite camo pattern? Real treat. Wild turkey legs for dinner or for the dog? Make salad out of them, turkey salad. Boil them down, cut them up, add onion and mayonnaise, and make turkey salad like you do chicken salad. More or less than five strikers in your turkey vest? None. Use nothing but diaphragms. 30 mile per hour winds blowing at home the last day of turkey season. Are you hunting or sleeping in? I'm hunting. Love to hunt in the wind. Turkeys go to fields when it, when it's windy where it's wide open because they can't hear in the woods and the predators can get them and they know that. They go to where there's a visual place. Love hunting in high wind and I'll be in a field. All right. State you killed your first turkey in? Georgia. State you killed your last turkey in? Georgia. Sit in a blind for four hours and squeeze the trigger or the release or run and gun for one hour and not shoot? Don't use a blind. That's for squaws. There you go. Rio, well, you hadn't killed a Grand Slam, so we're going to skip through the Rios or Osceolas, uh, Easterns and Americans. All right. Uh, let's see. We got a bunch of questions about shotguns on here, so we're going to skip over these. What's the weight of your broadhead for turkey hunting? 100 grains. Okay. Fields turkeys or woods turkeys? Either one. I can kill them both. You shoot a release or with a release or not? Yes, release. Okay. Peep sight or no peep sight? No peep. Shoot a rifle bar type sight. Okay. Rubber boots, leather boots, or snake boots? Rubber boots, combination with snake boots and lacrosse brand. You roost a bird this afternoon and it's pouring rain at daylight. Are you hunting in the morning? No. All right. Your favorite place you've ever hunted? <sighs> well, it's got several, but my favorite place is uh, Lawrence County, Georgia. All right. Now, it was a little bit tougher with you, Tim, because so many of my questions are geared towards shotgun hunters or gun hunters. Correct. So mm-hmm. I didn't think about that when we started on this. So we had, well, we had a bunch of questions that don't apply to you. So three minutes and 26.38 seconds is your time, which is very respectable, considering the fact that we got a wild turkey recipe out of you. 
<laughs> well, I got three and a half minutes. Yep. That's pretty impressive. So, just in case you're wondering, Corey News Time, three minutes and four seconds, which is not bad. The fastest time anybody's done it in is two minutes and five seconds. Mm. And I'll tell you that he had a little bit of a moral dilemma because he wanted to go through and do what you were doing, which was given more than just a yes no type of answer. But right. it's hard to it's hard to beat the fastest time if you're not just gonna give a yes no type answer. So anyway, we're I think you did a great job. You're not at the bottom of the list and you're not at the top of the list. So nothing wrong with that. But you're a turkey killing fool and let's talk about some of that. So we talked about how difficult bow hunting turkeys without a blind is because of the turkey's eyesight. What is it that you do to counter a turkey's excellent eyesight in order to be able to draw your bow for a shot? I have a little old thing I use that I talk about at my seminars, and you have the mentality of become the bush. In other words, what you want to do is you want to get you a good quality leafy suit, get you a hat that you can put ornamental ivy in, from you can buy it at any floor. You can buy it at the Arts and Crafts Department at Walmart. You're going to put ornamental ivy on your bow. There's two things that you're really going to be in, really required to have to bow hunt turkeys successfully without a blind. You're going to need to get you a bow pod, which is a two-legged device that will stand your bow vertical in the ready-to-shoot position mm-hmm. beside you. And you're going to need a good quality vest that's got a back rest in it. They make one called the Turkey Lounger that they sell at Bass Pro Shops. That I'm, I'm, I love it. And what it allows you to do is it allows you to sit anywhere with comfort with back support. If you've got a regular turkey vest, if you don't have a tree to lean up against, you're not going to sit there very long. Right. You're going to be uncomfortable, and you're not going to be able to sit still. If I was to go back to gun hunting for some unknown crazy reason, I would still use the method I'm using now, and I would wrap my gun in that ornamental ivy all the way out to the end of the barrel. Because turkeys are used to seeing movement in the woods all the time. Stuff moves. Mm-hmm. But if you need to come off as natural movement, so if you're sitting there dressed up like a bush with ornamental ivy in your hat and on your bow, you can get away with a tremendous amount of movement. Sure, the turkey's going to look at you, but he doesn't detect you as a threat like he would if you were sitting out on the front of a tree silhouetted with a long barrel gun you're fixing to try to quick draw and swing on him and shoot him with. He'll pick you off real quick like that, mm-hmm. especially a, a hunter that wears a build cap. My brother was served two tours in Vietnam, and that's one thing you would not wear in the jungle is a build-type cap. He wore a boonie cap, which had a short brim all the way around it with an elastic band that you would put jungle foliage in so the snipers couldn't pick you off when you turned your head. Right. That's a fact. So you, that's what I'm saying. If you'll get that ornamental ivy and put it on your boat, Get you a good quality backrest where you can sit anywhere with comfort, whether you sit behind a tree, which I like to do, or you can sit in a fence row, you can sit in planted pines, in a briar thicket, in a ditch, anywhere you can sit with just a little bit of cover around you or in front of you, you can sit in comfort with that backrest vest. I mean, it's just, just you got to have it. Right. You need to learn how to use a diaphragm really well because you got you need both hands free to bow hunt. Mm-hmm. That's an imperative, you know. The next most important thing on your list, I'd leave every hand decoy I had at home and just carry a gobbler decoy. Okay. And the reason being is, in the springtime, turkeys are very territorial. They will absolutely not tolerate competition in their area. You can have 20, let me let me put this in layman's terms. Let's just say 
it's you're the sheep from Iran, and you're laid up at your house with about ten or twelve of them them pretty little ladies over there in Iran, and you got one hen calls you from the other side of town, won't know if you can come to her house. Mm-hmm. Well, you kind of busy. You ain't you ain't got time to tend to one hen because you got about six or seven around you. You already got ten to. Mm-hmm. You know? I call this. I, I like to use this little story, not to rattle on, but I call this little story the jealousy factor because that's what you're doing. Is you're when you use a gobbler decoy, you're actually infringing on that gobbler's territory, and he will not tolerate it, not one bit. And men are the same way. Let's just say a guy's been gone from home for a year. He gets home after a year, and he's ready to see Mama. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he's, he's ready to see Mama. Well, he pulls up in the yard, and he sees five or six little cars out there, and he says, oh, Mama's having a little Tupperware party to buy her time while I'm gone. <laughs> I, you know, I, that's cool. But you let that same guy pull up in the yard, and he sees a big old jacked-up four-wheel drive truck in the silhouette of a strange man in his house. Lawyers call that temporary insanity. <laughs> And it's the same way with hunting gobblers. They will absolutely not tolerate competition in the springtime. He'll leave a hair of my hands to come run off a gobbler if he thinks he's in there trying to get his hands from him. Do you find that that gobbler decoy runs off some subordinate birds? Every once in a while it will, but there again, if it's running off subordinate birds, that tells you that there is a dominant bird in there that's that's done, done whooped them down, you know? Exactly. But it's very, very seldom happens. Most of the time, if you've got multiple birds, I've even had big groups of jakes just come over there and just whoop my gobbler decoy. I had to get up and run them off before they tore my decoy up. Oh, yeah. Yeah. A flock of jakes, are, they're bad news. Yeah, they sure. are. Like a bunch of velociraptors. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's pretty interesting. And I think that that's something that I've never had anybody really share on the show before. And that's camoing up a, a bow or, or even themselves and breaking their silhouette up like that. And I think that's very interesting, and I, I think it's yeah. a great thing. I, I didn't mention this to you the other day, but Corey knows about this, but I've actually authored a book called Bow Hunting Turkeys A to Z, and it covers all that with illustrations and pictures, shows you shot placement on the gobbler, and you know, if you want to talk about that a little bit, we will too, yeah. about where to shoot one with a bow. But yeah, there's there, there a book does exist. It's called Bow Hunting Turkeys A to Z. Okay. All right. And then so tell us where we can find that book. Is it on Amazon or is it something we need to order from you directly? No, they can contact me. They can call me at my shop or they can contact my email, which is bowkill7 at yahoo.com. It's B-O-W-K-I-L-L, the number seven, not spelled out, but just bowkill, the number seven, at yahoo.com. Okay. They can do that, or they can, or they can call the business. It's uh, area code 478-275-4112. Okay. All right. That's great information to know. So, you know, I'm an Alabama boy, so I've got to ask the question, are there a lot of pictures in that book? Because if there's a lot of words, I may have a hard time with it. Absolutely. All uh, right. Good. I've even got quotes. I've, I've got, and of course, there's several quotes in there, too. I mean, y'all got, y'all got probably one of the best-known living turkey hunters now, and that's uh, Steady Eddie Salter. Me and the turkey man, Eddie Salter, have shared hunting cap many times. Yeah, he's a good one. He's been on the show a few times, too. He's just a wealth of knowledge and loves to share his information, his knowledge with everybody. So it's it's been good having him on the show. Yeah, I can imagine hunting with him is probably a trip. Well, the two of you, from what I know of you, Tim, the two of you together hunting together, that's got to be a trip. So 
But that's yeah, we've a lot uh, of fun. Eddie and I both have been very fortunate to be able to hunt with a lot of the country music celebrities out of Nashville in an event we call Country Goes Hunting every year down in Southwest Georgia. So yeah, yeah, good deal. So is it possible to kill turkeys consistently with a bow and without a blind and without decoys? Because you mentioned that decoys are important. So, but I mean, is there ever a time when you don't put a decoy out? No, but there have been times where I have shot gobblers with my bow that didn't see the decoy, and they just happened to come up on the side where I could draw and shoot them. And they, you know, they're gonna have to walk behind something or be distracted or have their tail fan to you where you can get drawn on them in. Right. But then again, I've actually had them at the decoys where they were just actually facing straight at me, and I said, "Well, I got to draw." I mean, it was one of those deals. I'm telling you how to draw. And I'd draw back slow and methodical and not make any quick herky-jerky movement. And a turkey would look, but he would like, oh, that's just a bush moving. And he would go right back to what he was doing. Yeah. So I've had that happen, too. Had it happen on the first bird I killed last year. And you know as well as I do, when a turkey sees movement, he's going to do one of two things. He's either going to haul butt or he's going to poke his head up and look. <laughs> And, right. and the the bush, the breaking up your silhouette like Tim's talking about really, really helps with that. Yeah. Well, I noticed that you and Jim both, Corey, had the vine, you know, the artificial ivy vine on your bows when you came and, right. and hunted with me. And I think I've still got some of Jim's laying around the property over <laughs> there. So we need to keep him out of the briars a little bit more next time. Right, maybe it won't. Maybe it won't start growing. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think we're going to have a problem with that. So I know from hunting with Corey that he puts his decoy pretty close. I'd say, you know, within that five to ten yard range. And Tim, I'm I'm not going to insult you and say that Corey does everything exactly the same way you do because I know Corey sometimes doesn't follow directions. At least that's what his wife's told me. <laughs> but tell me about how far you're going to put that decoy away from your setup. On the average, 18 steps. Okay. Why 18, the magic number for you? Because if the gobbler's just on the other side of my decoy, which I call Ralph, he's 20 yards. If he's on my side of the decoy, he'll be 15. Okay. And that's basically the distance that I practice. Because you got to remember, you're shooting something the size of a grapefruit. I mean, that's that's about the size of a turkey's bottles. And they're, and they're further back than most people realize. And we can talk about shot placement here in a minute, but I, I can't stress enough to always try to shoot the turkey broadsided. And the reason being is if you try to shoot him in the back or you try to shoot him straight on in the beard, if you don't paralyze him, he'll, he can fly. If he doesn't live but 20 seconds, it might be a lethal hit. But if he lives 20 seconds, he'll fly where you can't find him. Yeah. I would imagine you've had to get pretty good at tracking birds that have been shot with a bow as well. i tell you something I did learn. If you could take, if you was a ninja, if you could walk up there and take a machete and chop that turkey's legs out from under him to where he landed on his breast, he can't fly. Right. His wings might, his wings ain't broke. It takes a tremendous amount of thrust to get a mature gobbler airborne. He actually has to jump to fly. Mm-hmm. Because, so he can get air under his wings. If you shoot one in some high grass or something and you knock a leg out from under him where he can't get air under his wings, you can run him down. Right. No problem. You just can't get airborne. Yeah. Yep. I so know the reason that. you want to try to shoot the, yeah, the reason you want to try to shoot the turkey broadsided is that just gives you so much less or, or much more margin of room for error because if you strike center mass of the bird, you're either gonna destroy the wing or the wing muscles that control that side or the other side or both 
or if you hit him in the hips, you'll destroy one or both legs or the muscles that control those legs. So, you, you know, it gives you a lot more margin of error, especially on a large cut broadhead like the one I have to bipolar. So. Okay. Yeah, I think on some of the videos that I've seen of people bow hunting turkeys, they'll take a shot at one with the rear end facing them or yep. take a shot at one that's, you know, that's head on facing them. And I think what you said makes a lot of sense. You've got a much bigger, I guess, there's not really a kill zone, but at least a way to immobilize a bird. you got a much bigger target area because you've got the wing you know, those muscles that control the wing, and you got the legs as well as the vitals to take out. So that makes, that makes a lot of sense. So you've mentioned a little bit about your bow setup, but tell us a little bit more about that, kind of your draw weight that you've got set up on your Absolutely. bow. And tell us a little bit about the broadheads that you're using, because uh, you've got, well, I'm going to let you tell it. You're going to tell it better than I could even introduce it. Uh, so. I shoot, I personally shoot 50 pounds on my turkey boat. Okay. But I will tell anybody, whatever you can see it flat of your butt and draw your bow straight back to your face without having to raise your bow arm to get leverage to draw it, you'll be fine. Okay. But that's a good rule of thumb. Now, sitting flat of your butt with your legs straight out in front of you is even different than sitting in a chair trying to draw right. a bow straight back to your you know. And you need to be able to draw slow and methodical. All right. So 50 pounds is what you shoot. What do you think would be the, and I know that you can dial a bow down to 15 pounds and kill something two feet from you, but what would you say would be the minimum weight that somebody would want to have on their bow to I, Well, be I think George's minimum weight, George's minimum weight to hunt big game is 40 pounds. Okay. But in 40 pounds, it's plenty. And It'll provide plenty enough energy with at least a 300-grain arrow. That, that's plenty enough. It doesn't take a lot of kinetic energy to kill a turkey. I mean, he just he's not a real tough bird. But he's actually, when you consider the wings and the thickness of the feathers and the heaviness of that bony breastplate in a turkey, he, he can be a pretty tough fellow. I mean, he really is. Yeah. So talk to us about your broadheads. Because you said you shoot a bipolar broadhead, and you, yeah. from what I understand, you're pretty familiar with the bipolar broadhead. Yeah. <laughs> Just to give you a little history about it, I was a paid pro staffer with the Muzzy Broadhead Company for for many, many, many years. Uh-huh. And Muzzy was always adamant about not ever building an expandable broadhead. And the biggest head they had only cut an eighth of an inch. It was a four-bladed head, so you really had to be accurate. You know, you didn't have any margin of error. In fact, years ago, before I developed the bipolar, I would actually tie a treble hook with dental floss behind my broadhead so it would hang the arrow in the bird. So if I did make a marginal hit, the arrow would be hung in the bird to where it would render him incapable of flight. Right. If I kept him on the ground, I could run him down. But anyway, I was, I de I was developing this broadhead behind the scenes for Muzzy so they would have a product they could sell in the spring because their spring sales were basically non-existent except for a few people that would go in and shoot bears, you know. Okay, yeah. And all these other expandable broadhead companies were just eating their lunch. And I'm like, well, I'll build one and present it to them and we'll go from there. So that's really how the bipolar got started. But as luck would have it, about the time I finished my R&D, and I had killed several turkeys with the prototype and had the video footage. Well, Muzzy got sold to Faradine Corporation, which mm -hmm. owns another broadhead company. So I just decided to keep it for myself because it was going to be in direct conflict and competition with the company that bought Muzzy. 
because right. they had an expandable broadhead. Right. Uh, but anyway, I, I did my R&D, but just come to find out, this thing, it's a hybrid head. It cuts an inch and an eighth fixed all the time, and it's a two and an eighth inch expanded also. So with the trocar tip on it, you got a little over five inches of total cutting surface, which is more total cutting surface than any other broadhead on the market right now. Mm-hmm. And it just absolutely creates a devastating wound channel. Because as a bow hunter, you get what you cut. That's the bottom line. You create hemorrhage, you can cut all the hair, skin, and meat you want to, but until you get in there and cut the tissue, you know, the heart, lung, liver, whatever, it's just not doing you any good. Right. So, but believe it or not, come to find out, this broadhead turned out to be devastating on anything you shoot with it, not just a turkey bird. Yeah, <laughs> it is. I saw a video of two deer that Corey killed with it last year. And, or I should say, I saw the videos of two of the deer that Corey killed last year with using that broadhead. And to see blood pour out of a deer that's been shot this 35, 40 yards away with a bow, and you're seeing that blood pour out from a GoPro camera, which you know doesn't zoom. My first question to Corey was, what kind of broadhead are you shooting? Because it blew me away just seeing the damage that, that, that broadhead What's that? I was, I was saying I got a lot of that same question because of that video. You know, oh, what, yeah. what in the world did you shoot that deer with? <laughs> oh, yeah. It, it's unreal. It really is. So, And, that, and that, that that's an example of, you know, that, that was, you know, I'll admit it, that was a marginal shot. You know, whether he jumped or whether I was off a little bit, it was in the front of the shoulder. And I've, I've shot deer like that and seen a bunch of deer shot like that that ran away with that area. And, I mean, you never saw them again. Right. And tell everybody how far that deer ran, Corey. <laughs> uh, about zero. However, however tall he was. That's exactly right. tall he was and yeah, exactly. how far he went. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I tell that same thing to my dad. We deer hunt together all the time, and I'll shoot a doe or something. He'll say, did it run? I'll say, yep. And I'll hold my hands about two feet apart, and I'll go about that far, straight to the ground. <laughs> So, yeah, that's that's how far that deer ran, and and Corey said it, I didn't. It, it is a shot that you would expect a deer to run, where you hit that deer. I, I sure. think most bow hunters would say that they would have expected that deer to run, and, you know, maybe a chance that the deer runs far enough that you don't recover it, but with that broadhead and that cutting surface, it did the damage and knocked that deer flat on its rear end. It was impressive. Well, I'll step on, out on a limb and say this. It's, you know, it's, it's not a cure-all. You can't shoot one in the kneecap with it and expect to find him. Right. If you, center, if you center mass that deer with that broadhead anywhere forward at a diaphragm, you're going to put him in the truck. Ain't no doubt about it. The amount of tissue damage it does, just like even on a, you know, there is not a broadhead out there if it's sharp and you make a perfect shot, it will kill the animal. Mm-hmm. It's the marginal hits that get you, but there again, the quicker and the more tissue damage you can do, especially in the lung, heart, and liver area, I mean, when you knock a hole that's basically five inches total in cutting surface through both lungs, his lungs collapse so quick, it's basically just like poleaxing them. I mean, they can't they can't function. You're either going to hear him fall or see him fall, one or the two. Right. And I did, I did something that, a lot of broadhead companies do not do. I am not, I'm sure you're familiar with a ballistics gel test. Yes. That is fine for bullets. 
it ain't worth the paper it's written on for an archery, for a bow, or a broadhead. And here's the reason. I'm a taxidermist by trade. And if you look at an animal's body cavity, you basically have hair, skin, meat, and bone, whether it be shoulder or rib or whatever, which is dense tissue. You know, then you have a basically a hollow body cavity with soft tissue that doesn't have near the density nor near the resistance. Right. And then going out the other side, you've got it just backwards. You've got meat, bone, skin, hair, which is resistance again. So follow along with me here. You've got resistance, not much resistance, and resistance again. Well, like I mentioned earlier, you can cut all the hair and skin and meat and bone you want to, but if you don't cut those vitals, you're not putting that animal in the truck. Mm-hmm. And when I did my R&D at the house, I would hang turkey carcasses, hog carcasses, and deer carcasses from a tree by their hind legs, and I would walk around them and shoot them from every possible angle and ask myself the question, okay, what if I hit him here? Okay, what if I hit him here? And I'll, and I'll step out on a limb again here. If you've got a broadhead that will shoot through the shield of a mature boar hog, it'll kill anything that walks on this planet, including an elephant. Not going to doubt you on that one. There are a lot of bullet cartridges that won't penetrate the shield of a boar hog because if they mushroom, it hinders their penetration. And here's a little quick test you can do, and we share this with the listeners. You go home and get you a five-gallon plastic bucket, and you fill it full of dirt. You don't have a gun in your house unless you're shooting a steel-jacketed forty caliber bullet that will penetrate that bucket both sides. I'll walk up there with a 50-pound bow with a bipolar broadhead, and I'll shoot through both sides of that bucket. Not a problem. Well. And our broadhead will survive an inline strike with a steel drum, and you can watch that on YouTube. You, you can get on YouTube and type in bipolar broadheads. And also, uh, while we're talking about that, if you want to jot this down, my son has a, a web page or a video page on YouTube, and it's under Duckman, D-U-C-K-M-A-N, 2288, Duckman 2288. And you can go on there and watch the bipolar at work shooting hogs and turkeys and other critters on YouTube. Yeah, it's worth watching. <laughs> I haven't seen those videos, but I can tell you from the videos that I've seen of Corey shooting those broadheads, it's impressive. And I could definitely yeah, see any, anything we've go ahead. I was, I was going to say anything we've shot in the in the past, you know, two years has been with bipolars. You can get on our YouTube channel, the Turkeyologist, and watch any of those videos. Also, and that that video we were talking about earlier is on there, and I'll be loading up all of the all the last year's turkey stuff here in the next couple of months, getting ready for turkey season. Yeah, yeah. Even Jim received his chief feathers last year. That's right. He talks about that daily. He talks about that daily, Tim, but he got his chief feathers. He's something to be proud of. I'm I'm sure he he brings (laughs) it up around Jamie all the time, doesn't he? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, There's no ribbon going on between those two, is there? Poor, poor Jamie, he's Just still back at camp grinding corn while the other guys, while the chiefs are out hunting for the next meal. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Okay, so we've talked about what you're shooting. We've talked about what you're shooting at. We've talked about how close you're getting them. And we've talked about where you're aiming. So what I want you to do is give us some recommendations let's say if i was a beginner bow hunter of turkeys 
would you recommend that I start off bow hunting turkeys from a blind just to kind of cut my teeth? Or do you think it, that that really doesn't matter? Do you in think it matters opinion, more how much experience I have just hunting turkeys or hunting, period? Just basically hunting, period. Just trust your instincts. And you got to consider this. When you sit in a blind, you're basically, you're sitting down and deer hunting turkeys. If that right. turkey does not come to where you're sitting, oh well. Right. But if you're not in a blind, you can get up and go after him. I mean, you can circle him and get ahead of him. And that's that, to me, if I was just sitting in a blind all day, that would bore me out of my gourd. Especially if there's a turkey gobbling down there and won't come. He's hinned up or he's moving away from me. And if you're in a blind, what's a guy going to do? He's, you know, he's looking at his watch. Man, i got to be at work in an hour. If I could just run around there and get in front of him and set up, I might be able to kill him. Because he ain't coming here today. Right. That's my two cents. Yeah. All right. That is, I think that's good information. I mean, I'm the same way. And there are a lot of people that listen to this show who hunt from blinds because they want to. And there's a lot of people that listen to this show that hunt from blinds primarily because they have to, because they're hunting agricultural areas with very, very little timber or cover to move around in. And I think that's fine and dandy. There are people who just can't get around like they could 40 or 50 years ago, or maybe they've got a disability that keeps them from being able to get around, and you know, so they they use blinds to yeah. hunt because of that. That's there's there's exceptions to every rule. Right. But I will. I want to mention this too. You know, I've I've heard a few guys say, you know, if a turkey doesn't gobble or strut and show out and display, I don't care about killing him. But I want yeah. to tell you for a fact, a turkey that gobbles tastes exactly like one that don't say a word. They taste just the same fried in grease. And you've got some gobblers out there that are smart, whether they've been boogered or they've been shot with a gun before. They don't gobble much or may not gobble at all. Don't let gobbling get in your head to the point that you forget your woodsmanship. If there are tracks and strut marks and droppings and sign in an area, if you've got enough patience and you can cluck and purr, or just cluck, and you can sit there all day, you'll be amazed at how many turkeys you'll kill. Patience kills more turkeys than anything, and most turkeys are not vocal in the afternoons. They just show up. Right. But there again, that one that just showed up and ain't said a word is going to taste exactly the same (laughs) as the one that gobbles his absolute brains out. So it's called turkey hunting, not turkey calling. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. I, I I have this conversation with guys all the time that, that talk about, you know, if I didn't call him up, I don't care about shooting him off if he didn't gobble. And I'll say, do you deer hunt? Man, I love to deer hunt. I said, okay, the next time that you don't rattle or grunt that big buck up, if he just happens to walk by you, don't shoot him. That's it's the exactly same principle. Right. You know, it's yeah. the same way to look at it. You know, you're hunting. If he shows out and gobbles and struts and drums, all the better. Yeah. But he'll look just as pretty on the wall. And he'll taste just the same. And I got a couple of recipes just right quick I'll give you before right. I close this thing, too. Yeah. One of my favorite uh, ways Andy, to take... Oh, go ahead. I, I was just going to say on the note of, you know, somebody that's never killed a turkey with a bow and they want to do it, you know, a lot of times they sit there and say for years, I'd love to kill one with a bow. But, you know, the first step to anything is actually taking it and going ahead and biting the bullet and committing to it, you know. I mean, right. if you go a couple of times and have a bad experience, you know, a lot of people just go right back to the gun. You just got to you gotta commit to it and, and stick with it, and, and it'll happen. Yeah, and I think yeah. that's turkey hunting in a nutshell right there. Absolutely. Yeah. So, 
Yeah. I appreciate you throwing that in there because I, I think that is important for people to hear that. I would imagine there's a lot of frustration. And, you know, Tim, you mentioned it when I asked you about how you got into turkey hunt and, you know, how you were talking about how it was hard to bow hunt turkeys when you first started out, but it's gotten easier. So yeah. you, you've gone through it. You were there. I was, I was bow hunting turkey with a gun hunter's mentality, and that didn't work. Right. You got to bow hunt turkeys with a, it, you know, and I'm going to say this now. It would not be fair for me to gun hunt turkeys now because I have learned so much bow hunting. It just wouldn't be fair. Not for me. There would be absolutely no competition for me to go out there and kill turkeys with a gun anymore. This wouldn't. Yeah. Just from what I've learned from bow hunting, you know. Yeah. It's like I was talking to you earlier. You get a turkey 35 or 40 yards. You can kill him with a shotgun with a two and three quarter inch shell. I mean, I killed every turkey sure. I ever killed in my life with a gun with a 28 inch Remington 870 modified slick barrel with a two and three quarter inch high brass number six copper plated before he even come out with three inch shell. Yeah. You know? So. Yeah. But there again, when you're bow hunting, when he gets 30 yards, your hunt just got started good. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, I'll tell you, when he gets 30 yards from me, he's either running the other direction because there's some thunder going off in his ear, <laughs> or he's about to be yep. folded up and put in the back of my turkey vest. <laughs> I was fixing to say, now don't lie, Andy, you don't let him get to 30 yards. <laughs> You're right. You're right. I was forced when you and I hunted together and you were hunting with that bow. He was too dry after I missed him. Well, why I tell you what we'll do. If we can work it out, we can get our schedules together. I'll come up there, and I will personally help you try to kill you a turkey with your bow. That means i got to buy a bow. But okay, I'm game. Yep. We can do it on my place. Uh-oh. Well, it's always fun killing somebody else's turkeys now. That's, that's yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah. Tim, I don't forget I got this recorded, and we're about to have a bunch of witnesses when this call airs. Ooh. I love that attitude. Oh, he just hunts with a bow. He ain't gonna kill none of your turkeys. Let him go. <laughs> That's now, hey, I, hey, we we, said, we, we we said Andy. Now we said Andy. Yeah. <laughs> I, oh, I understand that. Yeah. yeah, we gonna help Andy kill one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I'll have my judge with me just in case the bow shot doesn't go where it's supposed to and then we'll see if that judge can put him down at that distance before he gets too far away <laughs> tim you were going to share a couple of turkey recipes with us well one of my favorite recipes is very simple i'm sure everybody knows how to bone their turkey breast meat off you know you got those basically you got two slabs of meat from either side of the breast mm -hmm. i like to take it and put some it's called tiger seasoning, but you can lose, use Lowry seasoning salt if you want to. Yeah. But this tiger seasoning, you can buy at Kroger. I know they. I don't know if you got Kroger grocery stores there where you're at. We do. But uh, it's basically a, gar a garlic powder salt is what it is. But just put it on both sides of the breast and then heady with black pepper. And then you grill that breast half like a steak. And if you're not much of a cooking guru, you just keep you a thermometer there with you, and when the center of that breast gets to 160 degrees, take it up. Right. Because it's going to keep cooking some after you take it up. And then it's real simple. You just take a stick of butter and melt it, and then you add a little garlic powder to that melted butter to make a garlic butter dip. Mm -hmm. And take an electric knife, and you just slice that turkey breast paper thin. And then you dip that turkey breast into that garlic butter dip. Man, it is some kind of good. Wow. 
And then the other way is you take the turkey breast and you cut it up like chicken fingers, give it Lowry seasoning salt for seasoning, heavy with black pepper, take you some eggs and whip them up and dip that meat in raw egg and flour and fry it. Mm-hmm. And you can, uh, once you do that now, you've got a choice. If you like, like mild wing sauce or teriyaki sauce or whatever, if you want to, you can actually put the turkey fingers in a Ziploc bag with some of that sauce and toss them and then serve that with ranch dressing. That's another great way to cook turkey breast, other than just conventionally frying it. Right. Yeah, I've never heard of anybody buffaloing them, but that definitely would make sense. I've never tried it. It would be a great idea. You're making me hungry. Yeah, me too. I I love them in the teriyaki. That's my favorite. Now, I like the mild wing, but I, I love the teriyaki. That's my favorite with ranch dressing to dip them in. That does sound good. I might have to try that. All right, so I want to hear a story from each of you, and I want you to tell us the story of your most recent turkey kill, your last turkey kill, and one or two of the things that made that particular hunt a success for you. And I don't care who goes first, but I want to hear a story from each of you, because every story of a successful or unsuccessful turkey hunt is a learning opportunity, and I want everybody that's listening to this show to be able to learn as much as they can. So, somebody go. You go first, go ahead, Lord, but, I'm at, but I've got an awesome story to tell from last year. <laughs> well, last year I went hunting at one of my hunting clubs, and I actually called up a hen to the decoys, and the, she she came around and was pecking at the – I had a – excuse me. I had those Dave Smith – the submissive hen out she started pecking at the head and and i was calling to her and she started cutting and calling excuse me i got something in my throat two actually three birds started gobbling behind me and i was in a wide open pine stand pine trees probably i'd say 10 to 12 inches in diameter and they started coming behind me and like Tim was talking about earlier breaking up your silhouette with the fake ivy and stuff that really helped then because when they came up behind me i was wide open i had nothing between me and them and they literally came within five to six yards of me spitting and drumming gobbling carrying on and probably that probably went on for literally 10 minutes before they came around to the decoy actually i shot one and it went i shot him just a little bit forward he was actually standing on top of my jake decoy bleeding and i knocked another arrow shot another one made a perfect shot and then the the one that i shot first jumped on the the dead one i finished him off with another arrow so i I actually doubled up without a blind and that's probably my most memorable time in the turkey woods you shot three arrows at two turkeys and probably was never spotted no never spotted they had no clue i was there that's now, the amazing. third one, he, he kind of realized to get out of Dodge there pretty quick after about the second arrow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He knew that he was at the wrong place at the wrong time. Exactly. So what do you think are the one or two things that made that hunt a success for you? Well, no doubt the two things that made that hunt a success was the fake ivy breaking up the silhouette because I was in the wide open. Mm-hmm. And number two, the Jake decoy and the, the, the decoy set up because it took all of their attention, you know, not only the hen, but all three gobblers took 100% of their attention away from what was going on. 
Yeah. That's that temporary insanity thing I was telling you about. Yeah, I love exactly. that story. That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> well, I saw the video of that hunt too, Corey. Uh, you showed me that. And then not only yep. did I get to see the video of that hunt, but I got to physically see the crime scene. That's right. We did go over there. There was feathers everywhere, wasn't there? There are feathers everywhere, and <laughs> you're not lying. It's open in there. Yeah. And the fact that you had those turkeys that close to you, and they never knew where you n- never paid you any attention whatsoever is amazing. Because I'm going to tell you, <laughs> if you went out there and called those turkeys into those woods with no decoys up in front of you, you do good just to get a turkey even within shotgun range in those right. woods because right. we all know they like to hang up when they don't see something and those turkeys would have hung up out there but that's pretty good tim i'm chomping at the bit to hear yours well i i, I hate i hate to do this to you Andy, but i'm gonna have to leave y'all i got yeah, a man. ton of stuff to do my phone's about to die Corey, thanks for joining us man it was always good talking yeah, to you i'll give you a buzz we need to set up a time to get together and do some hunting this spring sounds good to me talk to all you right. then have a good evening all right, Tim, I, I got to hear this one. Uh, well, I want to share this with the listeners. When I, when I hunt in the afternoons, I'm like most guys. I mean, I'll ride around looking fields to see if I see turkeys. Right. But if you, ha- if you have the ability to do this, and I've done, I've done this so many times, it's not even funny. You're better off to drive around the edge of the field and let the turkeys see your truck and run them out of the field. Now, once they leave the field, you run out there and put your stuff out, run, go park your truck, and go back and set up as quick as you can. Mm-hmm. Because 99.9% of the time, if they see a vehicle and they leave the field, they're going to come back within the hour. True. If they see you trying to sneak around the field as a human being as a silhouette and they leave the field, they're probably not going to come back till the next day. True again. So. Anyway, but I was going to tell you, I was doing that same thing. I was in Johnson County, Georgia, and I rode into the field, and there was a big gobbler right in the middle of the field. He was out there dusting, actually. It was a plowed field. Well, he stood up and just started trotting out of the field, and I was just riding right down the edge of the field, and I actually, he ran across in front of me and went in some short pines, and I just went right on past him. Mm -hmm. I went down to the lower end of the field, stopped, put my stuff out, Went on around the other end of the field and parked. Ran back up there, set my decoys up, sat down in the bushes, knocked an arrow, put my release on my wrist, and I will never forget it. I mean, I hadn't been there three minutes. I looked down. I was going to pick my camera up because most of the time I try to self-video. I was fixing to stand my camera up and get it started. And I heard a turkey spit and drum, and I looked up, and this gobbler had already come back in the field and had seen my decoys and was running hard as he could run in a full strut to the decoys. If he hadn't spit and drum, I probably wouldn't have picked my head up and looked at him. Wow. He'd been in the decoys, you know, but fortunately, there was a little bit of breeze blowing that day, so I just eased my hand over to my bow, hooked my release up, drew back, and by this time, he's in the decoys doing that, holding that head up high over my decoy going, mm-hmm. you know how to do. And as soon as he got broadside, I, I brought that pin up his leg to the center mass of the body and punched him. And he never took another step. And wow. that bird had inch and a quarter spurs, a little over 11 inch beard, and he weighed about 21 pounds. He, was a, he, he was a fine bird. And um, 
You know, I mentioned earlier about that YouTube page mm-hmm. with that Duck Man 2288. Yeah. I got to brag on my youngest son a little bit. Year before last, my youngest son in that same field killed the new Georgia atypical state record. He killed a five-bearded bird out of that field with wow. no blind and his bow. And it's wow. also number nine in the world. How about so, that? And I had to, you know, I'm a taxidermist by trade, so that was a that was a an awesome privilege to get to mount my youngest son's state record and rank nationally or world. And we actually had it on display. I put it in the competition at the NWTF convention in Nashville last year, and it took a blue ribbon. So very nice. But you can see that hunt. You can watch that hunt on that YouTube page, Duckman2288. Okay. I will definitely check that out. You're going to have me staying up all night watching turkey hunting videos. <laughs> yeah, that's I, what we do, man. It's, yeah. I act like it's, it's a bad thing. Everybody's getting the fever. Yeah, everybody's getting the fever. Yes, indeed. It's coming quick, isn't it? It'll be in before you know it. So let's let's bounce back to your hunt real quick, and then I'm going to cut you loose because we've been on the phone for quite a while, but I certainly have enjoyed every second of it. So on yeah, that hunt too. where that turkey ran out of the field and then came back, what are you think one or two of the things that made that hunt a success for you? Well, it was just that I have learned in my experience that if a if if a turkey or a group of turkeys sees a vehicle, you know they're used to seeing farmers in their trucks or people tending their fields all the time or a vehicle on the highway, they'll leave the field because they're uncomfortable. But it doesn't spook them to the point that they don't relax and come and come back out in the field. Right. I've... In fact, uh, you know, I told you uh, when we were talking before we got on the, the public phone, you know, I told you I called up one of the first turkeys that Blake Shelton ever killed earlier in his career when he was when he just first hit the radio with old Red. And this has probably been 12 or 13 years ago. Mm-hmm. And that's how we killed that turkey. We drove out in the field and the guy that I was with was about to have a fit. He said, the turkey's in the field, the turkey's in the field. I said, I see him. He said, what are you doing? I said, I'm fixing to drive out here and let the turkey see the truck and run out of the field. He said, man, why are you doing that? I said, trust me, they'll be back out here within an hour. And sure mm-hmm. enough, 30 minutes after we set up that group of turkeys, which was one gobbler and about a dozen hens came back out there, they came all the way across the field to the gobbler decoy, and uh, Blake killed him. <laughs> yeah. I have seen it numerous times as well. You scare a bird a lot less with a vehicle than you do if you're on foot. Absolutely. And it's... God, I can't tell you how many times I've I've had that happen. I mean, the place that we hunted in Florida, Osceola hunted down there, the guy that owns the ranch would, I mean, that's what he did. He was a rancher who had cattle on his ranch, mm-hmm. and so he's in his vehicle all the time, and those birds are used to seeing vehicles, and they're not scared of them. But you get out of the vehicle, and they will leave the country. They'll turn themselves inside out trying to get out of that field. Absolutely. But you can, you literally could drive up to those turkeys in a truck and get within 35, 40 yards of, you could have killed turkeys out of the truck if you wanted to with a shotgun. Mm -hmm. And that's in an area where they're conditioned, where they're used to seeing vehicles day in, day out. And they know that those vehicles don't bring, don't cause any harm. But I'm going to tell you that in the in an area where a turkey doesn't see a vehicle all the time, he doesn't consider that to be a danger because coyotes and bobcats don't drive trucks. That's right. And so <laughs> it's something that's new to them, and they don't really see it as, 
as being a huge danger, whereas it's not a threat. It's not a threat to them. And that's, that's exactly you know, right. They don't see it as a threat. That's exactly right. And I think that's a great piece of advice. You'd much rather run one out of a field with a vehicle than you would even try to sneak up on one that's in a field right. on foot. So I think that's smart, definitely. Tim, man, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you taking time out of your evening to come on the show and share your knowledge about bow hunting turkeys. And not just that, but, you know, you really have gone above and beyond what I asked you to do because you've shared two or three recipes with us. You've shared just knowledge of hunting, period, then knowledge of hunting turkeys in addition to that. And I just can't express to you how grateful I am for you taking time to do that and share your knowledge with us. And, you know, what I would like for people to do is if there's something that you do that they need, I want them to be able to get in touch with you to be able to help them out. So we talked a little bit about your broadheads. We talked a little bit about your book. You mentioned that you're a taxidermist. So I'm going to give you a couple of minutes to plug your wares one more time. Let us know where you can find them, and then we're going to call it a night. All right. Sounds great. I'll tell you this also, and I don't think I mentioned this to you earlier. I'm, I'm actually the in-store pro staffer for the Macon, Georgia Bass Pro Shop store. So I okay. pro staff for Bass Pro, and we'll be doing, I will actually be doing bow hunting turkey seminars when they have the Turkey Madness Weekend, which will be coming up probably the end of February. So be watching the newspapers and them little flyers. Uh-huh. And anybody that wants to come over, you know, and sit in on the seminar, we'll be covering everything just like the book. Everything on turkeys from A to Z on how to bow hunt turkeys without a blind. Nice. And I do it every year and I always have basically a standing room only crowd. So, but as far as, you know, if somebody wants to order a book, they can uh, call the shop or they can send me an email at bowkill7 at yahoo.com. They want to order broadheads, they can go on our website, which is www.bi-polarbroadheads.com. you got to put that dash between the I and the P. Okay. And they can order they can order broadheads from there, or they can call the shop to order the book or broadheads also, and that's area code 478-275-4112. Are you taking new business for your taxidermy work? Oh, yeah. I'll soon be in business full-time 30 years. Uh, I started as a hobbyist when I was a sophomore in high school in 1976, and then I opened for business for the public full-time October of 1988. Wow. That's impressive. Yeah. And you do uh, do more than turkeys. Yes, sir. The only thing I don't do is African game just because it's just aggravating to work with those flint-dried skins when they come in. Yeah. And plus, you have to have an import license to get them. Right. And I know that sounds strange to a lot of people, but... When you have an import license like that, that that makes you subject to search and seizure from customs 24-7. Right. So if the man comes and knocks on my door at 3 o'clock in the morning and says, Mr. Knight, we need to go inventory your freezer at the shop. We think you've got an illegal item. You can go let them in or they'll let themselves in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Yep. But uh, I've been very fortunate. I used to be the uh, president of the Georgia Taxidermist Association. In 1990, I was fortunate enough to win the best all-round taxidermist in the state of Georgia. And in 1993, I won the best all-round taxidermist in the nation in Richmond, Virginia, at the National Convention. So Very nice. I would like to close by saying this. I've always lived by saying that my daddy pretty much just drove into me, you know, ever since I was old enough to understand it. But it still means a lot now. And it's simply this. 
no matter what you do, success comes before work, only in the dictionary. Yep, I like that. I like that a lot. So are you going to be in Nashville this year for the convention? I will not be there this year. I've just got too much on my plate at the shop. So okay. We average... We average mountain anywhere from 60 to 100 turkeys life-size in my shop every year. So it's this time of year I'm really trying to get hump it hard, to, for lack of a better term, to get all the turkeys back out before turkey season starts again. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, I was going to say, if you were there, I'd hit you up and buy you a warm glass of some wild turkey. But we'll have to, yes, sir. We'll have to do that another time. Maybe me and you and Corey can get together this spring. We can get our schedules together yeah. for a turkey hunt. That'd maybe, be a lot of fun. Maybe we can maybe we can get you on with a bow, then we can just go have us a celebratory toddy. Yeah, <laughs> I like the sound of that. There's nothing about what you just said that I don't like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there you go. Tim, thank you very much again. I do greatly appreciate it. I know there's going to be a lot of people to gain a lot of knowledge from listening to this show, and I'd love to get you back on sometime. We'll cover a different subject, or we'll cover this subject sure. again and chat with you because it, it's just it's been a great call, and I, I thank you again. Well, I, you know, I want to take a chance here, too, and just give a shout-out to all the listeners and appreciate them for taking time out of their day to, to listen to these shows and just you know, I, I don't call myself an expert at anything. I've just, I have learned this by trial and error. And it's just like anything else. It's like life. If it knocks you down, you got to be willing to get up and dust your britches off and go on again. The only shameful part is, if, you know, if you don't get back up. Right. That's exactly right. Well, thank you much. I hope you enjoy the rest of your evening. And I look forward to talking to you again sometime soon and definitely trying to hook up with you this spring and get out in the woods with a few turkey calls. Yeah, that sounds great. I look forward to that. Sounds good. Thank you, Tim. All right, buddy. Good talk to you. Good talk to you, too. Goodbye. I hope that you guys enjoyed that interview again. There are so many of these episodes that we can pick up on things that we missed the first time around or just forgot, and this is definitely one of those episodes. All right, so for you premium subscribers, I am working on a very special, exclusive episode for you guys for next week because this week I don't have any exclusive content for you. And during next week's episode of the Turkey Hunter Podcast, I will fill you guys in more on how you can access that premium episode at that point in time. But for this week, I think Tim Knight gave us all the premium content we can handle. So I'm cutting you loose. However, before I do, you know I've got a favor to ask of you. Can you please share this week's episode via text message using your podcast player's share feature or button with one or two of your turkey hunting buddies? They don't even really have to be turkey hunting buddies. They can just be hunting buddies. But if you'll share that with them, that will make me smile real big. Thank you guys so much for tuning in this week. I know that you have choices. I appreciate you spending your time with us. I hope you have a wonderful week, and I look forward to seeing you again next week. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in. You were just listening to the Turkey Hunter podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please go on over to iTunes and leave a five-star review. And make sure to head over to www.iamturkeyhunting.com to subscribe for free turkey hunting tips, tactics, strategies, and product reviews 
to help you have a more successful turkey season. And stay tuned for upcoming episodes on hunting afternoon birds, how to film your hunt, and the breeding cycle of hens, as well as some guest interviews. Thanks again for listening. We know your time is valuable, and we appreciate you sharing some of it with us. See you next week.